Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. It's a little bit different last year, but this year we're going to gather together and we're going to celebrate Jesus and uh, what he did for us and his resurrection. And so we want you to be aware that on that day specifically, service times will be different. So instead of 9.30 and 11, it'll be 8.30, 10, and 11.30. That way we can give plenty of room for uh, people to have their space and uh, all those that are going to be here and be a part of our Easter services. So it's going to be a good day. And then on Friday, April the 2nd, Good Friday, we're going to gather together and have uh, our Easter egg hunt, and we're going to have a cookout, and we're just going to celebrate and have a good time as a church family. And so if you want to invite, if you have friends that have kids or you got family that you want to bring with you, you're welcome to bring them. Uh, on April the 2nd, and we'll be getting more details out to you in the near future on that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And then the last thing I want to mention, and then we'll show you some pictures before we get into the message, is a mission trip this year. We have a unique opportunity this year uh, for a mission trip within the United States. And so uh, many of you know, a couple of years ago, we were in Jamaica, and we were remodeling and, and doing construction work on a church and uh, we did a VBS for kids, and we had a great time there, and we just loved on those people, and we, we just believed that God did significant things while we were there for uh, about seven days. Last year, we were supposed to go to Belize, but with everything that happened, uh, that did not work. This year, uh, we, were, we were back and forth trying to figure out if we were going to be able to go to Belize and uh, just with the percentages and the way things are looking right now, that is not going to be a possibility this year. But we do have a unique opportunity. We're going to be going to, I believe, uh, it's Petersburg, Richmond, Virginia area. And we're going to be going up there and there is some ministry opportunities. And so we're going to gather people and we're going to take a mission trip inside of our country. And we're going to reach people for Jesus and love on people inside of the U.S. And on our day off uh, toward the end of the trip, the way the trips are structured, there's always uh, what is called like a fun day on the last day before you fly home. And uh, we're, we're, we're hoping we're going to have the opportunity uh, just probably 45 minutes or an hour away. The way I understand it is Washington, D.C. And so we're going to be able to see some things in Washington, D.C. and spend a day there. So that's going to be exciting. I'm excited about that. Come on, somebody. And so one, one thing that I want to share with you about that trip, though, is if, you, uh, if you've been debating on whether or not to go on a mission trip, I think this is a great opportunity. Number one, because we're within our country right now. Uh, and, and another thing is this trip is going to be about 600 or so dollars cheaper than uh, the trips when we go to other countries and the flights and all the things that are, that are uh, a part of doing that thing. And so it's about $950 per person to go on this trip. And I know it sounds like a lot of money, but that is that includes your plane ticket there and back. It includes all the food while you're there. It includes your stay while you're there, transportation while you're there, all of the project stuff that we're going to be doing. It's all included in that. And so $950, it's about $600 cheaper than what a normal trip would cost if we were going to another country. And so I think it's a great opportunity. Listen, if you have, we were even talking to, we may take, you know, one or two of our kids. If you have kids that want to go and you're like, hey, this would be a great opportunity to kind of get them involved in missions and, and, and thinking outside of ourselves and being a blessing to other people and doing projects and things, I think this would be a great opportunity to do it. So the dates are July the 12th through the 19th. And so we'll fly there on a Monday, fly home on a Monday. So if you want to be a part of that, 
uh, we need to know pretty quick. And so if you can let us know, you can talk to my wife down here, or you can come find me after the service and let me know, uh, let one of us know that, hey, we want to be a part of that trip, and we want to get more details, and we're going to meet together with everybody that's interested in that and, and nail down all the details so that we can uh, form the team that's going to be going on that trip. And so we're excited about it this July. It's going to be an awesome time. And then the last thing, we have some pictures. I told you last week we would have some pictures of kind of an update on the building. And you can see like it's kind of a mess in there right now. But uh, there's a picture of kind of what it looks like in the worship center now. If you're standing kind of where you'd be sitting and, and from the front of it. And then you can just keep on going through those. We've got the hallways, classrooms, um, bathrooms. Uh, hopefully the, the goal is that in the next couple of weeks they'll be uh, finished with the texturing and the painting and we'll be looking at flooring going in there hopefully around the first part of April is what they are thinking. And so uh, our goal is still uh, somewhere around the end of May to the first part of June that we should be able to move into that building. Come on, is anybody excited? <laughs> about all that, all that God is doing. And it's just a building, but we believe God's gonna use it in a significant way for his kingdom and that we're gonna be in there debt-free. Come on, somebody. By the end of this year, we're gonna be debt-free and uh, we're gonna be able to do ministry the way that God intends for us to do ministry. So anyway, all that being said, last week we began a new series that we're calling Spiritual Muscle. And I wanna begin today, again, with our theme verses and really kind of what... This series was birthed out of, uh, as I was reading through Hebrews 11, what we would refer to as the Hall of Faith, and verses 32 through 39, as we kind of end this chapter, uh, this is what it says. It says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these men, or these people, overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And look at verse 39. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. And we said this last week that in these eight verses that we just read, we see really this the two groups of people, honestly, some that were seeing miracles, some that were being tortured, some that escaped death, and some that were that were killed by stoning, some that overthrew kingdoms, some that were chained in prison, some who put whole armies to flight, and some who were sawed in half. But here's what we said last week, and we're gonna say every week through this series, and what this is based on is the fact that look at this, success for those who saw the miracles and those who were tortured was to keep the faith. In other words, success in the midst of anything was keeping the faith. Why are these people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 in the good scenarios and in the bad scenarios? It's because of their faith. 
the faith that, that did amazing things, that God did amazing things through them, and, and the faith that these had that while they were enduring persecution and all of these trials, that they still kept the faith. They still kept the faith. And so this brings me back to our question that we're asking in this series is how do we keep our faith in the midst of good and difficulty? So we're talking about in this series uh, uh, different ways and different muscles, if you will, that we need to exercise and work out in our own lives so that in the midst of any difficulty, whether life is good, whether life is hard, no matter what you face, that you will stand strong in your faith, that you will keep the faith, that you will keep the faith. And I would submit to you that a big part of that is, is this resistance idea that resistance will either crush you or strengthen you based on your response to it. And we talked about this last week in the example of lifting weights and it's, it's not the resistance that's the problem. It's the response that's important. And so some of us, we saw this in 2020 and into 2021, and there's no condemnation, right? It's just that some, you, did you look around over the last year and you think, wow, some people seem crushed and some people seem strengthened. Some people seem like they, they, they were just so down and other people seem like they had so much joy. I would submit to you that it was all based on their response, how they responded, how you responded to resistance in that season determined whether or not it was crushing to you or whether or not it strengthened you. Are you with me today? And so last week we talked about the spiritual muscle of endurance and the message was called Endurance is Essential. And today I wanna talk to you about the muscle of confidence. Somebody say confidence. And I've titled this message, Check the Results. Check the results. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you have. Have you, ever ex- have you ever expected something to turn out one way, and then when you check the results later, it didn't turn out how you thought it would? Right? I'm a sports guy, and so I, I love watching sports, right? Maybe some of you are with me. Some of you are like, I don't care. Like, get on to the next point, you know? But I love watching sports, and here's what I've realized. There are sometimes there are games that I won't even watch because I expect that this is going to be the result. Right? I, I just expect that they are going to defeat them in a bad way. And I don't even care to watch it. And then like a day later, I'll check the results. You ever done this? You'll check, check the score. And you're like, how did that happen? How in the world did that happen? Right? A big thing is March Madness. And last year it got canceled. And, and this year I'm excited about it. the NCAA tournament. Come on, is there, are there any, any sports fans in the house today? The NCAA tournament is coming up. You know, I love to fill out a bracket and try to guess who, you know, predict who's going to win what, you know, and how many points can you get and all of this other stuff, right? But what I love about March Madness is when you get into that tournament, anybody can beat anybody. Like you've got to check the results hourly, I mean, you've got, there are some of us, right? I think there was research done that showed during March Madness, during the NCAA tournament, especially the first weekend of the tournament, that there is less work that happens because so many people are on their computer or taking off or they're gathered up. You know, I I worked at a place one time and we would gather up in like the the president's office and we would watch games, you know, and do that thing. And and I had people that I would go in and I'd fill out brackets with and and we just had a great time, right? There's like, for a couple of days there, there's like no work that gets done anywhere because so many people are into, we gotta check the results. We gotta watch this game. We gotta see if somebody's gonna win here, right? 
Sometimes we expect things to happen a certain way, but the results are different. When we check the results, and I was thinking also being in school, I don't know if you ever encountered this or not, but but you ever just expect someone to write you just, it's like test day, and maybe you were that student that you were like test day, woo, you know. No, that wasn't you. <laughs> but you just expected everybody, like maybe you were that person, you just expected, well, everybody's just going to pass this test. This is easy. Everybody's just going to pass this test, and then you check the results. Or maybe you thought, well, I just expect, like, I know this. I'm not even going to study. I just know what, what I'm going to get. I know all of these answers. And you get in there, and then you check the results later, and you're like, I didn't know as much as what I thought I knew. Right? Or there's that student that kills the curve if you had the teacher that graded on the curve, right? And you're like, why? Why can you not just miss three so that mine, my grade can, can go up, you know, six points or whatever it is, right? The results sometimes look different than what you expect or what you assume is going to happen. And here's, here's what I know about your life and my life is that sometimes there are moments and seasons in our lives when we have to go back and we have to check the results of what God has done before. We have to go back and check the results like this is what it looks like, but I need to go back and check the results because the results say something different. We have to learn to put our confidence in God in the midst of whatever comes because the reality is that God's results are always good. Come on, I said that God's results are always good. I didn't say your situation is always good. I didn't say you're always gonna like your situation that you're in, but God's results, if you'll check the results, God's results are always good. Why? Because he is good. And so how do we express our confidence in God in our lives? I wanna, I wanna talk to you about one way to do that today, two points and one way to do that, and I think it's through trust. How do you express your confidence in anybody, right? It's by how you trust them. Like, I have confidence in you to the point to where I'm willing to trust you. And so I want to talk to you about trust. And here's point number one that I want to talk about for just a moment is that we have to trust God when it doesn't make sense. We have to trust God when it doesn't make sense. Now, I'm curious, have you ever been in a situation where it didn't make sense? I have been in a lot of situations where it just didn't make sense. I don't know what you're doing, God. I don't know where you are, right? We start to question God when it doesn't make sense, but we have to learn to trust God when it doesn't make sense. And I want to read this story to you, and I was trying to break this up and make it a little bit quicker, but I just couldn't do it. The more that I read it, I just felt like we needed to read the whole story. So uh, it's a little bit lengthy, but is it all right if we read the Bible at church today? Come on, somebody. Is it all right if we read what God's Word says while we're at church and not be in a hurry to to just jump on to the next thing. And this is a story that you'll probably be familiar with. Most of us in this room will be familiar with this story. It's in John chapter 11, and I want to start in verse 1. It says, a man named Lazarus. Anybody ever heard of Lazarus? A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair, which is interesting to me. Because we read these stories separately, right? You ever read the story of Lazarus and then you've read the story of the lady who, who came in and broke the perfume on Jesus' feet and washed them and, and, and dried them with her hair and you read that and how she was ridiculed and she should have sold that and given the money to the poor and can you believe what she's doing? Could it be, I just, could it be that in that moment when Jesus came into the room, she remembered? 
she remembered what had happened. She remembered what we're about to read about. And so her reasonable response to Jesus being in the room was that I remember the results back here. And so this is, what, this is how I'm going to honor him with my life in this moment. Because this is the same, it tells us, this is the same Mary who later poured the expensive perfume, right? This happened first, and then later she had that act. Anyway, moving on, her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And right here we can see that there was a bigger purpose in what God was doing. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus and everybody involved, they didn't see it. They didn't really understand it. They didn't know everything that was going on behind the scenes. But here we see that God had a purpose. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people of Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping... He'll get better, right? They don't, they don't completely get it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to them. Like, why are we going back to a place where they just tried to kill you? Like, if he's sleeping, he'll just get better. And it goes on. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly. Anybody thankful that God sometimes just tells us plainly? Sometimes we don't get it and God's just like, let me just, let me just say it plain. Let me just tell you plainly what I mean. Lazarus is dead and for your sakes I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. Don't you just love the faith? Of Thomas, one of the disciples, right? How many of you, like, the disciples were getting together and they're, they're, they're you know, they're kind of coming across like, Jesus, we're just concerned about you. We just don't want you to go back to that place where they were about to stone you. You know, we just happen to be with you, but we just don't want them to kill you. And then <laughs> Jesus is like, we're going. Thomas is like, well, let us go too, and I guess we'll just die with Jesus. <laughs> you should really read your Bible. We'll just, I guess this is what we're going to do. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> just, you know, say bye to everybody. We're going to go with Jesus, and I guess we'll die too. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. You ever been there? But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. 
Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, somebody say, some said. This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? We just watched Jesus do that. Why didn't he show up on time here? We just saw that Jesus is able to do a miracle here, but then he just seemed to have let this one go. Is Jesus just picking and choosing who he loves and who he wants to heal and who he doesn't want to heal? Like, why? I, we don't, we don't get, it doesn't make sense. Jesus, why did you stay there two more days? By the time you got here, he's already been dead for four days, and we just watched you heal somebody else. It doesn't make any sense. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. <laughs> the smell will be terrible. He's been in there for four days. It's going to stink if we move the stone. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Here's what I know about you. and Here's what I know about me. You have either walked through something that didn't make sense, you are in something that didn't, doesn't make sense, or at some point you will walk through something that won't make sense. You've either been through it, and some of us have been through something that didn't make sense, and we don't know, but right around the corner is another thing that doesn't make sense. There are going to be instances and circumstances in your life that will not make sense. You're just not going to get it. You're not going to understand what's going on. It didn't make sense for Jesus to stay two more days before he went to them. In fact, the story, the writer of the story tells us, says that he loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So he stayed two more days. He loved them so much that he decided to stay. And to them looked like he would be late to the party. Sometimes Jesus loves us so much and has such a bigger purpose that we don't quite understand and we just have to learn how to trust him when it doesn't make sense. Trust him when it doesn't make sense. Lord, if you had shown up sooner, I wouldn't be hurting like this. 
Lord, if you had done something last year, I wouldn't be struggling like this. Lord, if you had done what I expected you to do, then I wouldn't be staring at a dead dream, a struggling marriage, a lost child, a deadly disease, a dead business, a lost job. If you had been here, if you had answered my prayer, if you had done what I asked you to do or told you to do in some cases, come on somebody, if you had been here on time, I wouldn't be in this situation. And I think that I think that, that God wants us to get our minds wrapped around this idea that we're not always going to get it. It's not always going to make sense to me. But I can still trust him even when it doesn't make sense. I was thinking as I was preparing this about a memorial service that uh, took place a, about a month ago. And it was for someone in our church and and I remember people and myself included just wondering why you ever you ever been in a situation like that where you're just like why 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 did that happen why did it have to go down like that why is that the outcome why why is it is it is it why is it happening like this and what I felt like the Lord we were we were driving there and we had been preparing and we were gonna just share a few words when we got there and what I felt like the Lord was telling me, as I'm asking the question, what do, you, what do you do in that? What do you do when you're hurting because it doesn't make sense? What do you do when you're in the middle of something that's a real struggle? And you don't get it. And you don't know why God is, is not showing up. In your situation, and you've watched him do it for somebody else, but it doesn't seem like he's doing it for you. What do you do in those moments? And here's what I felt like the Lord told me. He simply said, just encourage everybody. You just trust him in the middle of it. When you're right in the middle and you don't get it and you don't understand and it doesn't make sense to you, you just trust God in the middle. You just trust God with the situation that doesn't make sense to you sometimes we're too quick to judge our situation and what the outcome will be when God's not finished yet when God has a bigger purpose and we write it off as if well I guess that's all there is well I guess that's just going to be the outcome well I guess just story of my life you ever said that just story of my life and I think the God that we serve is sometimes poking at our heart I'm not done. You don't get it, but I'm not done. You don't get it, but there's something greater going on. You don't get it, but I have a purpose. You don't understand it, but will you just trust me even when you don't understand? Will you trust me when it doesn't make sense? Come on, we can keep our confidence in God even when it doesn't make sense because he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. Here's point number two. Trust God when it doesn't make sense. Point number two, trust God when it's overwhelming. As I was preparing this, and, and there were a lot of things we could have talked about when, when you, you talk about areas of our lives and situations and seasons when we need, to, we need to, to, to work out this muscle of confidence in God in the midst of anything that happens. And I felt like the Lord was telling me that there are probably a lot of people that this one applies to you. Trusting God when it feels overwhelming. 
and I don't know about you, but I've been in some situations, a lot of situations where it felt overwhelming. Where anxiety, come on, you ever been there? Where anxiety is at like an all-time high. I mean, we were coming out of, and it would seem, some of the things if I was to share with you, you know, like, because I, like, if I'm just being honest, I've been coming out of a season of this where everything just seemed overwhelming. You ever been overwhelmed to the point to where it just paralyzes you? And you don't even know what you, it's like, I know I should be doing something, but I don't even know what to do. I know that there's probably something that needs to happen, somebody that needs me, somebody that needs encouragement, something that God wants to speak, but I don't even know what to do. I can't even function in this because it is so overwhelming to me. And my guess would be that you've probably been there too. And some of you may be there now. And some of you, there may be something in your future that the enemy's going to try to use to overwhelm you to the point that it just freezes you up. To where you're not even being intentional in your relationship with God. You're not being intentional to love people. You're not being intentional to follow your calling. You're not being intentional in anything because you are paralyzed by being overwhelmed. And here's what Paul said. I love that, that the Bible has... Uh, stories and characters that that we can relate to this. Because here's what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. He says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. And we can't even really wrap our minds around this. But he says, We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, who was encouraging churches. It's saying, we, we felt like we should tell you. Why did he feel like he should tell them? Probably because there was somebody that was dealing with some overwhelmed anxiety, something going on. He says, I feel like we should tell you what we went through. We were crushed and we were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. And look, he says, in fact, we expected to die. In what we just came out of, we were expecting. In other words, we looked at each other and said, this is it. We've been through a lot, and we made it through. This is it. We cannot endure anymore. This is beyond our ability. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, listen, as a result, what happened? We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. And we have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Bring the worship team back. In other words, Paul says, let me tell you about what we just went through. We didn't even have the ability to endure what we just went through. We were crushed and we were overwhelmed and it was on another level. We looked at each other and said, we are going to die. We expect this is it for us, right? We, this is it. We cannot handle not another thing. But as a result, on the, on the other side of it, as I look back, Paul says, but here's what it did. It caused us to stop relying on ourselves and to start relying on God alone. Why? Because we couldn't do it. 
There was no way. We, we expected to die. And so what did we do? We turned all of our reliance off of ourselves and we put it all on God. God, you are the only one who can see us through this. And so we stopped relying on us and we started relying only on God. Have you ever been relying on someone and they let you down? Have you, ever, have you ever been relying on yourself and you let yourself down? Like I'm, I, I'm relying on my ability. I'm relying on like, well, I could just think my way out of this. Well, I can just plan my way out of this. Well, I can just, you know, I can just endure a little bit more. Well, I can just make it through. Well, I can just push on through and I'm just relying on myself and I let myself down. I let myself down. And I found it interesting because I started thinking about this question that we've all probably been in these overwhelming situations before, but the question is who or what do we go to for help? When you find yourself in an overwhelming situation, do you go to somebody? And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but I'm going to make a point here in just a moment. Do you go to somebody? Are you relying on your ability and, well, you've just always been good at this and you've just always been able to do this and you've just always been able to see your way out of it and you've just always been able to figure it out and so you're relying on yourself? Because there's a, there's a, a passage in Isaiah 30 that I was reading over the last couple of weeks where God is speaking to his rebellious children. Come on, anybody been, been a rebellious child? It's like, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I believe in God, but I just want to do what I want to do. I'm just rebellious I'm not, obey, I'm not obedient, like, I'm just going to do my thing. And God is speaking to his rebellious kids. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say, you a rebellious kid. <laughs> Come on, look back at that person that just said that to you and say, no, I'm not. <laughs> God is speaking to his rebellious children. And at one point, listen, this is what he tells them before what we're about, we're going to read one verse, but before that he tells them, he says, you haven't even consulted with me about this situation. He's talking to these rebellious children. He says, you haven't, even, you haven't even come to me. In fact, you've gone to other people. And you're seeking all of your help. And you've put all of your trust in everybody else. And what you can get from here, well, we used to get this from here. And so maybe if we go back back there we'll get that again well we've always been able to see our way out of it in the past and so maybe if we just try a little harder and rely on ourselves a little bit more and just put our head down and push through that we'll make it through and we'll be okay and God says you haven't even consulted me about the situation that you're in and some of us may not have even really consulted God about the situation that we're overwhelmed by We're in the middle. And God today is saying, you haven't even, you haven't even, you haven't even come to me. You've been seeking your way out of it. And then in Isaiah 30, verse 18, this is what he says. He says, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God and blessed are those who wait for his help. Blessed are those who wait. For his help. You've been going here for help. But blessed are those who wait for his help. Can I submit something to you today? I believe that for some of us, the Lord is simply waiting for us to turn away from relying on ourselves. And start relying on him. So that his faithfulness can be shown and so he can help. God's not going to force his way into your situation. 
but he will be invited into your situation. And maybe for you today, God is, is simply, the Holy Spirit is just whispering to your heart right now, you have been relying on yourself, you've been relying on other people, you've been relying on your own knowledge, you've been relying on other things, and God's saying, will you turn from relying on you or relying on that and begin to rely only on me? And when you do that, then my faithfulness, I can show you how faithful I am. I can show you how I can come through. I can show you what I can do. I can show you my power. And blessed are those who wait for my help. For my help. If you'll not, not jump ahead and start, start trying to, to dig over here and do this or what. No, like blessed are those who wait for my help, who consult me, who come to me in the midst of what they're overwhelmed with what they're struggling with. And we all probably know these two verses, but Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. In other words, stop relying on you and what you can understand and seek God and rely on Him, and He'll make sure you're on the right path. He'll make sure you're heading in the right direction. He'll make sure that you're going in the right way. Blessed are those who wait for His help. Maybe the key word there for you is wait. I'm going to rely on God no matter what. My trust is in Him. My confidence is in Him when it doesn't make sense and when I'm overwhelmed. And I'm going to wait for his help. I'm going to wait until he shows me the way out. I'm going to wait until he shows me what to do. I'm going to wait until he speaks. I'm going to wait for his help because blessed are those who don't rely on themselves but wait on God's help. Will you stand today? I want to wrap up with with one verse from the Old Testament that encourages me and I hope it will encourage you today. It's in Numbers chapter 23. It's verse 19, and I want you to see it, and I want it to get in your heart. Because this is what it says. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? These are rhetorical questions, by the way. Has he ever spoken and failed to act on what he just spoke? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And I want to end with this question. Why would I rely on me when I have the opportunity to rely on a God who has never lied, doesn't change his mind about me, has never failed to act on his word, and has never broken a promise? Why would I put so much trust and so much reliance on me when I have the opportunity to put all of my faith and all of my trust and all of my confidence and rely only on God, a God who has never lied, who has never changed his mind about me, who will do what he said he will do, and has never, ever, ever, ever broken a promise. Come on, that's, it, that's good news. <laughs> so I feel like the Lord today is not asking you to do something crazy what what he's asking you to do is will you will you will you trust me when it doesn't make sense when you're overwhelmed will you rely on me instead of relying on yourself because I'm faithful I'm not going to lie I've never broken a promise I'll see it through if I said it I'll do it 
You can take it to the bank. So will you just wait on me? Will you put your confidence only in me? I want to end with this statement and then we're going to pray. I express my confidence in God, not because of what life looks like around me, but because I know his character and his promises. In other words, my confidence is in God because I know who he is. I know that I know that I know this is who he is. So Lord, today, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are, oh, you are so able to be trusted and able to be relied on able to come through in difficult situations and difficult circumstances and in times when we don't understand and it doesn't make sense and when we feel overwhelmed and anxious and God would you help us to stop relying so much on ourselves and to do like Paul said <laughs> we stopped relying on us and we put all of our trust we put all of our reliance on God because he's able to save he's able to rescue he's able to see us through Lord, I pray for those in this room that maybe they would say at the end of this message that they're not, they don't really know who you are. They don't really know your character. They struggle with believing that you will because they haven't studied who you are and that you never change and you're the same yesterday and today and forever. So Lord, I pray that you would ignite a fire in some of us in this room to get in your word, to spend time in prayer, to get to know you so that we can put our confidence in you. And we can know that we know that we know you're faithful and you're good. Your results are always good, that you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. It doesn't say that no weapon will be formed, but anything that's formed against us won't prosper. And we can have confidence in who you are. And Lord, those of us today that we know who you are, we know your character, we know that you're good. Lord, I pray that you would reassure us right now, those that are feeling overwhelmed, those that are in a season that doesn't make sense. God, that today we would again put our trust in you. That we would again place our confidence in you. Lord, those of us that have started to rely on ourselves and rely on other things and other people more than we're relying on you, God, that we would make the shift today that our reliance would be solely on you because you are the one who is able. You are the one who is faithful. You are the one who never lies. You are the one who never breaks a promise. You are the one who will see us through anything and who never leaves us and never forsakes us. So Lord, today I pray that you would do in our hearts what only you can do as we sing this last song. And Lord, if there's anybody today who needs prayer for anything in their life, that you would draw them, Holy Spirit, draw them for prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen.